Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Before we get to today's podcast, I just want to let you guys know we had some technical difficulties on my end recording with our man Ian. Just some phone issues. I had this cable thing that was all blah, blah, blah. So I'm basically, Ian and I were sharing a microphone for that thing, even though he was miles and miles away. And also, our guy Isaac has an announcement, a very exciting announcement for the Lockdown Mavericks podcast listeners. So, Isaac, take it away. What's up, MFFLs? This is Isaac. I just wanted to stop by real quick and remind loyal listeners, Twitter followers, whoever listens to Lockdown Mavs, we have started, Nick and I have started a Lockdown Mavs Fantasy Basketball League. The, the draft is set up for October 1st. Okay, it's a 12-team league. We have about half the league full right now, maybe a little under half. But here's the thing. We're going to do similar to what Matthew Berry and some of them do at ESPN uh, for their man's league or however they do their leagues. We want to hear reasons why you should be in the league. When When we first pitched the idea of a fantasy basketball league, we had all these people respond, say, hey, we want to be in the league. We want to do it. But we want to know why you would be a good person in the league. We want gifts sent to us. We want videos sent to us. We want songs, whatever that you, whatever that you want to send to us that you feel that it that will convince us. Hey, hey, I deserve to be in the league because I made this, or I did this, or I took a picture with this person. You name it. Let us know. It's a twelve-man league. You go head to head each week. No category stuff. Uh, it's just straight head to head. You have starters. It's gonna be fun. I've did a league like this for many years. And we want to compete against you guys. We want to have fun with other Mavs fans. So tweet at us. Let us know why you should be in the league. We want to fill this league up before October 1st. And quite honest, I just want to see you know who can come in second and third and fourth. So Because you guys know I'm, I'm taking Dwight Powell first overall if I get that first overall pick. And I'm going to win the ship. So anyway, tweet at us. Let us know. Locked on Mavs Fantasy Basketball League. Hit us up. Thanks so much, Isaac. Stan? You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is gonna be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined by Ian Miller, another writer at Mavs Moneyball. We are just going through the Mavs Moneyball writers. I think at, by the end of this, we'll have almost all of them. Maybe a couple a couple editors won't be included in this because they didn't do these preview articles. But, Ian, thanks so much for joining us, man. Oh, no problem. Yeah, and we have a deep roster, so we can really reach back to the end of the bench for – the writers, I'm sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you're talking about the writers, right? We're not talking about the Mavericks. Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to continue our player previews. We're going to be doing the best one. I'm I, This is the one I'm the most excited about because I feel like there's the most to talk about. There's the sure. most to, to speculate about because we have literally no baseline or anything. We are talking about Dennis Smith Jr. You're talking about him coming into his rookie year. Uh, it's a massive, you know, season for him, but it's, it's introduction for a lot of Mavs fans. I mean, I, I don't can't 
can't say that I think many Mavs fans watched NC State games last year. How many NC State games did you watch before Dennis Smith Jr. became a Maverick? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I do a lot of draft stuff for the site, and so it's kind of my, my wheelhouse. So I ended up going out back and watching quite a few. But, yeah, I doubt many casual fans watch many, nor should they have. Frankly, the team was not <laughs> yeah. impressive, you know. They're not a model for, you know, what you want in a college program. I think the sort of the, whatever you want to call it, the tagline of my uh, piece is that it's going to be a novelty for Mavericks fans just because, you know, a young, talented player that has actual hype attached to him is such <laughs> a new experience for an entire generation, really, of, of uh, Mavericks fans. You know, we're all kind of used to watching you know, 35, 40-year-old crusty men, you know, try and hop up and down the court, you know, so. <laughs> the crusty men. The crusty men know more. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> yeah. this really is, and, and I think this is cannot be stated enough. This is really uncharted territory for the Mavericks in general. I mean, they've not mm-hmm. had a player like this. There just hasn't been this, you know, a lot of players like this in the NBA in general. I mean, Steve Francis obviously comes to mind. People talk about Derrick Rose. and The, the first name that was mentioned on draft night was right. Derrick Rose with the jump shot. Uh, do you have another player maybe you compare him to or anything? Well, you know, I, I think, yeah, the Rose comparison makes a lot of sense. I think I think Dennis Smith said himself that Baron Davis was a big yeah, uh, influence on him, and, and that certainly makes a lot of sense. You know, I think from a talent level, yeah, I, I don't know how familiar people are in this day and age with Baron Davis as a young player, but, you know, he was a little bigger than Dennis Smith, but he had that same kind of bowling ball running downhill mentality of attacking the, attacking the basket, but he could also shoot and pass. And, you know, for, for Baron Davis, uh, not to go off on a tangent here, but I think what kind of uh, limited his eventual reach as a player was shot selection. And I think that's going to be a, an important thing to, to see early with Dennis Smith is how he kind of lets the game come to him, yeah. what, what what kind of shots he's taking, is it the right shot, and I, I, I guess one of the good things about this is I, I get the sense that Carlisle is not going to coach with Carlisle, that is, isn't going to put up with a lot of bad shots, you know, Baron Davis type shots, so that should be good. What do you think about his jump shot? Because a lot was said uh, about a lot of other draft prospects jumper. I don't know that much was said about Dennis Smith Jr.'s. Uh, people right. said it was inconsistent. He had pretty good percentages, but what did you think about it just looking at it? Yeah, so I'm not – I don't claim to be a uh, mechanics expert <laughs> or anything of that yeah. sort. But Who is? You know, I, I, I thought it was kind of odd that so many people were picking apart the jump shot just because it, it looks really good to me. It looks consistent. He has good release point. He's, you know, not crazy off balance. It's not like a, a hitch, something serious, you yeah. know, if you compare it to – someone like Josh Jackson or, you know, Lonzo. there are a couple, yeah, it, yeah, right. Or, you know, Lonzo, who's, I don't know, he's kind of in a category all to himself. But one of the, the funny stats, and I, I wish I can't remember who uh, came up with this, but, you know, one of the prominent unheralded internet writers out there. Uh, dig <laughs> aren't up aren't we stat. all? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Not me, uh, not, you know, but, uh, no, uh, yeah, someone came up with a stat that, that looked at uh, Dennis Smith three-point shots from the NBA three-point line while he was at NC State and compared it with, you know, uh, the other top point guards like Ball, uh, like Malik Monk, and those guys. And Smith had actually had a really good percentage from there, like so even better than his overall college three-point percentage, which to me kind of gets at the heart of what I was 
mentioning earlier about sh- uh, shot selection. That's definitely going to be something, you know, yeah. that he's going to have to, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just to get back to what you were saying, I think the shot looks looks good to me. I'm not terribly worried about that. I don't expect it to be a strength, but I think he will, he'll, you know, be a at least an average NBA three-point shooter pretty soon. Average NBA three-point shooter in his rookie year, I think I would take that for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I say that not knowing exactly like what the the median NBA three point percentage is. Like, you know, maybe he'll fall below that. But I think the big thing is, I think he will be able to make threes enough threes uh, to keep defenses, you know, from sagging way off on him, and that's going to be crucial because that opens up, you know, everything else everything. that we know he can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So in the article, and it's the player preview that's on. Maps Moneyball, you should either be listening to this on the actual article or you can go to Maps Moneyball and go check that out. Um, your biggest question for Dennis Smith Jr. Now, there is a ton of questions, and I feel like a lot of fans think that they have more answers than they actually should have. What is your biggest question for Dennis Smith Jr. this season? Hmm. So I guess for this season, you know, it's sort of not to get out of answering the question, but for this season I would just say um, sort of his – his decision making, especially late in games, like you know, in sort of pressure situations, I think uh, one of the knocks on, on Dennis Smith Jr. was just that when things started to go bad and the team started losing, that it kind of was reflected in the way he carried himself, his on court demeanor, and then it would kind of seep into his decision making. You know, he would make a bad pass because he was trying to do too much, or take a bad shot or kind of like get mad at himself and not get back on defense. And, you know, I, I think those are kinds of things that I, I feel are habits that need to be broken early, you know, in an NBA career. And I think that will go a long way towards really establishing him as a player with a major upside because he's kind of ironed out some of those details that hamper a lot of young players. So that's my biggest question mark just in terms of next season. Uh, I guess, you know, it kind of goes without saying, but long-term, you have to worry a little bit about health. You know, obviously every player, there's a potential of injury risk, but uh, one of the points I make in the article is that if you look at his play style, you know, especially if you saw any of the summer league games, it was like he was trying to make a poster-quality dunk almost every play, and he ended up having several really big in-air collisions with bigger players and that's the kind of thing that you know you hope doesn't take a toll on them or you know create a you know a serious injury so but that's just kind of the player he is so uh, you know that's a concern I have I guess longer term yeah Isaac and I have joked about that a lot his landing mechanics have become a thing where people you know say oh no he's gonna be the next Derrick Rose and his landing mechanics his landing mechanics and just over and over and over again and uh I, I think it, it's some of it's a little overblown. I mean, the guy has been landing his entire life. <laughs> you know, like, right. I don't think that there's been a time where he hasn't landed. So, um, so I mean, he's been doing that. I think it might be overblown. I think NBA, you know, coaches, I think that that might be a thing that even like Casey Smith, the Mavericks trainer will work on him with, uh, about that kind of stuff. So decision-making I think is, is, is huge. Um, and decision-making in the sense that I was surprised in summer league that he didn't try to jam on people more. You, you think that a guy with, with those kind of hops would try to just dunk on everybody. And I think to his credit, I, I think that he didn't try to do too much during summer league. And maybe it's just because he's, you know, saving himself during right. summer league, but I think his decision-making looked, looked pretty good, at least from, from what I saw. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, in terms of scoring the ball, I think he has a, a lot of the kind of qualities that you maybe underestimate in a score, the, just the ability to kind of pick your spots and take what the defense gives you and, you know, you, you sort of wait for the right moment and then, you know, you explode to the basket or, you, you know, you get separation for the jump shot. And, yeah, he has a lot of the very kind of instinctive uh, basketball behaviors that, you know, like even if you have all the other physical traits, there are just some players that don't have that, you know, the ability to just know how and when to score. So, One big question I have for him, and it may not, might not be my biggest question, but what about his consistency? Uh, when we did his draft profile before he was even drafted, Isaac and I looked back, and I looked back at all of his, his game logs, and just he has some games where, <laughs> I mean, he went to the free throw line uh, between 10 and 15 times, 10 out of his 32 games, and then he went to the free throw line less than five times, uh, 15 out of his 32 games. So going to the free throw line, it just seemed like he was either like really trying to go to the free throw line or really wasn't. And then with assists, he was either getting – um, you know, he got double digit assists in four games, but then he got less than three assists in 10 of his 32 games. And I, I know that's, you know, picking college games and his college career was, you know, limited because of the players around him and things. But what do you think about his consistency? And that's just a big question for me is, can he bring it night in and night out? Is he going to be focused? That was another thing. The biggest knock on him was that he wasn't going to, that he wouldn't take not necessarily basketball seriously, but he wouldn't he wouldn't try every single night. What do you think about his consistency, and is that a question you have as well? Yeah, no, that that's certainly a good point, and yeah, it ties in a little bit. I think you know um, it's related to the problems I was talking about before, just with his on court demeanor and yeah. uh, you know the body language and all that. And I, I, a lot of that does play into the fact that there would be certain nights where it, it's not that he wouldn't try, but that you know it would be sort of like things would go poorly early and he would get frustrated and just kind of psych himself out, take him out of the game. And also I think, you know, uh, certainly consistency is definitely an issue, but I think if you looked at some of the the college games, what I noticed was there are other teams that sometimes would just completely pack the lane and take away any driving, any pick and roll action and just make sort of the, the NC state shooters beat them. That seemed like, a real strategy for certain teams. Like, uh, you know, I, I know watching the Duke game, like early on, it was definitely that way. And, you know, in that game, Smith got hot from outside and that kind of, that's what kind of allowed them to mount this really big comeback. But there were definitely teams that said, you know, we're not going to let Dennis Smith drive in no matter what. And, you know, uh, that's something that NBA teams will do too. So you're right consistency will absolutely be important he'll need to have an idea of game preparation and also know that he has to execute it on not just you know three nights out of five but every night and uh i think uh this is also something i kind of point out in my article uh the team culture in place in dallas is going to be really important there because you have uh, a great coach great coaching staff uh, you know, the team owner who's very into player morale and all that. Uh, <laughs> but you good. also have a lot of, Oh, sorry. You're going to say something. No, I just, you just said the team owner. I said, yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Uh, oh yeah. And also you have a lot of, uh, veterans, uh, on the roster as well. Yeah. Uh, guys like, you know, Dirk, obviously, uh, Wesley Matthews, who definitely, you know, seems like a no BS kind of guy. Um, Harrison Barnes, by all accounts, is a hard worker, you know, a practice guy. So 
I think it'll be good to have examples around him, uh, not just guys telling him what to do, but showing him how to do it. Uh, and that's going to be really important for him to become more consistent. Yeah, the consistency is a big question for me. And then you were talking about how he, you know teams would pack the paint for for uh, for him and for other players. And I think he's set up really, really well. And I think best case scenario for Dennis Smith Jr. is that teams do pack the paint. They really, you know, they they're very scared of you know him going to the basket and getting around the you know getting in the lane and. They pack the paint, and then he just has shooters around him. I mean, Harrison Barnes is a pretty good three-point uh, three shooter. Wes Matthews has proven that he can be a 40% shooter. There's my puppy over there. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, obviously, is going to be a trailer for him. And, uh, you know, Yogi will probably be out there a little bit with him. And uh, Seth Curry will probably play some some time with him. And so best-case scenario for me is that he gets, you know, six, seven assists a game because he, you know, his scoring might, might take a dip than, than some people anticipate and he won't get as many, you know, baskets because they'll just, you know, they'll try to take away his one thing, but then he'll turn that one thing and be able to do something else um, and be able to, you know, adapt to the, to the defense that is presented to him. What, what is your best case scenario for Dennis Smith Jr. this year? Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Yeah, so I, I think you make a, a great point that... Um the shooters around him are going to be really key. You know, I'm just on a personal subjective level. I'm really looking forward to line up uh, the lineup you see. I think when like Noel goes out, Dirk moves to center and yeah. maybe you put in Seth Curry next to him. So you have Curry, Matthews, Barnes, Dirk as the four guys around him. That lineup uh, from an offensive standpoint anyway, is going to be really, really impressive. And yeah, I think Dallas will be very happy if teams try and pack the paint and make Dallas shooters beat them because they have shooters. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to watch. But I think for me, best case scenario, really, um, I'm looking not so much at, you know, like this many assists or this percentage, yeah. but I think how he gets his points and how he's doing things offensively uh, is the thing I want to see most. You know, uh, obviously, like I said before, you know, staying healthy is going to be really key. I'd just get, you know, let's see him healthy. <laughs> no no major injuries with all the point guard injuries Dallas had last year. That would be great. But I want to see him get to the free throw line. I, I think you, you made a great point earlier when you said that on games when he was getting to the line, it was, you know, he was really able to be productive. And I think being able to penetrate, and if that needs to be his bread and butter. And what I, I guess an interesting thing about the Rose comparisons is that Kind of early in Rose's career, uh, he was one of these players that would get to the basket a lot, but not actually get to the free throw line a lot. And it's sort of funny to think about how, you know, it's such an important skill. People think, you know, it's sort of a boring thing, slows down the game. The guy gets to the free throw line, but it it really, uh, it's a huge boost from an efficiency standpoint. And I think if if he can do that combined with the outside shooting kind of developing, that's just going to be you know, a really potent offensive attack going forward. 
Yeah, that that is an interesting point about getting into the lane but not necessarily getting to the free throw line. That's something that people have been saying about uh, Kyrie Irving for a while. He only got to the free sure. throw line, you know, four and a half times this year, three and a half times a year before that, and just the fact that guys like that are so good at going to the basket that they just avoid they avoid so much contact, uh, and maybe that keeps them out of injury. Kyrie obviously it, it hasn't really worked for him, but. Uh, it's an interesting point, so we'll, we'll be monitoring that going forward. What do you think is the worst-case scenario for him? For me, a worst-case scenario is something that I laid out uh, during our draft profile. As I said, man, Carlisle is probably going to hate this guy. And this is before we <laughs> this is before we even had him, before the Mavericks even drafted him, just said that, that he's going to drive Carlisle insane because he, you know, he does take risks. You know, He's prone to mistakes. Uh, he sometimes picks up his dribble before, you know, play has continued. And maybe this is stuff that they'll iron out during training camp or even that he's ironed out, you know, during the, the summer. And, and didn't see it too much during summer league, but, you know, turnovers and sometimes wouldn't pass the ball. Um, I guess that could also be taken, you know, into account that the teammates that he had there. But I just think some of that stuff is going to rear its ugly head as the season goes on. And as he, you know, I think as the season goes on, the, the, the team practices a lot less. I mean, we're, we're seeing maybe one practice a week, if that. Um, you know, as the season goes on and sometimes, especially with a veteran team that you're just not going to practice at all. And, uh, I think as that goes on, I think some of those tendencies might rear its ugly head back up and we could see some, you know, a Rondo esque benching from Carlisle and maybe not the, to the, maybe not to the degree where, you know, he gets run off the the floor and run off the the team, but just something like that where, you know, there's some pushback from Carlisle. Right. Yeah. No. I. I, You know. I think. uh, My hope is that Smith's talents and all the things uh, that he brings to the table that are positive will outweigh, in Carlisle's mind anyway, the um, the growing pains that are inevitable with any young player. You know. I I think you got to keep in mind. I I believe he's 19 at the moment. I I don't think he turns 20 till late November. So, you know, this is a a young kid uh, in a a very difficult professional league and there are going to be nights where, yeah, he's going to, uh, go whatever, three for 15, uh, with six turnovers and probably pout while Carlisle benches them in the second half. Like that's almost certainly going to happen. So for me, yeah, I mean, I guess the worst case scenario is just, uh, yeah, that he, Psychs himself out to the point where he doesn't get a critical uh, developmental year. I, I think you know, um, even though it, it, it seems like um, strange to say it, I, I feel like he's really, even though the team's not very good, he's really entering into a, a and what's in my view a, a great situation. Um, yes, Carlisle has a reputation for for um, being have a short, having a short leash with rookies or young players, but. Um, I think he's got a good coach who will, I, I truly believe, will do whatever he can to make him the best player he can be. I think there's great veteran leadership on the team. There's also some other young players who he can kind of gel with, like Nerland Noel and Harrison Barnes. Uh, it, it seems like a, a great mix. And then you have all the other sort of cultural, organizational things tied into. Um, I mean, maybe the Mavericks aren't quite the San Antonio Spurs of the world, but, you know, I think they're, they're one of the better uh, run organizations. So if, if Dennis Smith can't work it here, then, you know, I, I think something's wrong and it's just not meant to be. He's just not the player. So really, I would just say a worst-case scenario would be that 
he it goes badly. You know, they lose games out of the gate, and he psychs himself where, yeah, not necessarily in a Rondo-esque way, but in a, you know, name your Carlisle young player way. So. <laughs> Justin Anderson. We'll, just, we'll leave it at that. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you make a good point. Uh, I think the best thing that has ever happened to Dennis Smith Jr. besides, you know, just being drafted in general is being passed up by the Knicks. I think if he went to the Knicks, I think <laughs> there is no chance Dennis Smith Jr. becomes a good NBA player. Uh, he could have proved me wrong, but I'm glad that he does not have to. The man is Ian. The article is the Dennis Smith Jr. preview for the 2017-18 season. We're so excited for it. Go check it out on Mavs Moneyball if you're not already there. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us. And Ian, thanks for talking to us. Thank you. It was great. Great having me. All right. See you later. Peace out and boom. Aces the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.